This parable that we have today from the Gospel of Matthew is very similar, although much shorter, to a parable in Luke, very famous, the prodigal son. It even begins with the same phrase, a man had two sons. And the point of both parables, in a sense, um, where you have one son who says no to the father's will, like the prodigal son takes all his inheritance and goes off and wastes it, the first son in this says no to the, the command to go work in his vineyard, to be you know, a part of the family. He says, no, I don't want to do it. But then changes his mind and comes back and decides actually to go do it. Whereas the second son, like in the prodigal son story, who stays the whole time, who ostensibly is the good son, uh, really hasn't entered in. And when it's time to be a part of the family, to, to celebrate his brother's return at the banquet, he says, no, I don't want to do it. Um, so this son says with his mouth, yes, I will do your will, but in his heart uh, hasn't assented and he doesn't actually go out to, to serve in the vineyard. There's lots of meanings, of course, things that we can glean from these, these two stories, one of which is that some wander a long way away. Some of us turn away from God and his commands and his will and the church for a long time in very radical ways, but then end up by some circuitous way in God's providence back home. And in many ways, um, people that have experienced that, that real alienation from God and the shame of, of having sinned in some dramatic way, when they do come back and receive the mercy of God and, and you know, take on again the identity of being a child of God, uh, reclaim their identity in their baptism, there's this gratitude and this this openness and a, and a kind of radicality with which they're ready to live for God because they know what they've been given in Jesus. But then there's also some of us who maybe don't wander very far at all and in many ways live upstanding, good-looking Catholic lives, um, but we still have kept God at arm's length somehow. We're close to the church, but we're sort of, you know, stiff-arming God. Like, don't get too close. Um, what both of these parables highlight is the need to choose. It's not automatic being a disciple to really embrace our identity as children of God. I remember um, my first parish, I used to do like a lot of baptism prep, people who are going to be godparents or um, things like that for, for their children. And a lot of times this was the first time they had been to church in years was because they needed to get their kid a sacrament. And I was tried to be very patient and open. And, you know, people, they want the sacrament, so there's some desire here for God. Um, but I also realized that there's, you know, very little action in the way of doing anything about that. But I can't tell you how many times um, people would say, the faith is so important to me. The faith is so important to me. Um, yeah, being Catholic is like core to, to who I am. But they hadn't been to church in decades. Um, you know, they were often in marriage situations that were irregular and needed to, the blessings and things like that. Um, things they could have done to get closer to God, to, to live more faithfully according to his commands. But there was just something like they could say the faith is important, but in terms of the choices, in terms of the actions, there was just something holding them back. Um, and this maybe sounds dramatic, and I don't mean this to sound judgmental of any, any people that I've ever worked with, because 
it's, you know, you can't ultimately judge the person's intention, which is what this is all about. Have you chosen internally um, to, to serve? Um, it's important to realize that Satan believes in God. He believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He just chooses not to serve him. So it's not what we say or believe or think or even do sometimes. Because that's the point of the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? That uh, Jesus says, external obedience to the law, paying your tithes, you know, making sure that you don't commit adultery uh, externally with your body doesn't mean that you can't internally have all sorts of impurity, rebellion, pride. But these things can often be a mask for the very thing that matters most, which is our choice. Who do we serve? Are we going to work in the vineyard? That's why Jesus says something meant to be shocking to the Pharisees. Tax collectors and prostitutes are getting into the kingdom before you. Those are the two, the male and female versions of the worst kind of sinner you could possibly be in the mind of these upstanding Jews. Because tax collectors and prostitutes cannot pretend that they're doing everything right, that the faith is really important to them. It's obviously not, because they've totally turned away. But when they hear the good news, first John the Baptist, Jesus says, they turned away from sin, they repented, they were baptized. And now they're following Jesus. Now they're, you know, radically making choices to change their lives. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, gives away all his stuff and pays it back tenfold. Matthew, who's the gospel writer here, he was a tax collector. They changed. Because it was very easy for them to know what it would look like to turn around from where I've been going and to follow Jesus. Maybe it's harder for us who are here every Sunday to say, what would that really look like? To choose. You know, am I saying yes with my mouth, but no with my heart? Not to get too into our heads and overthink it, but the truth is, and I heard this, a priest once said this to me, that there's no neutral zone in the spiritual life. There's no just like, put it in neutral and just coast, and we'll just keep going. This is fine. I'm not going to get any holier. I'm not going to get any less holier. The truth is that God always wants some closer relationship. He always wants more for us. More freedom, more love, more truth. And he is the one that's laboring to bring it about. He's the one that's opening pathways, opening doors, and giving us the grace and the strength we need to conquer any fear, to overcome some shame of the past. Like, I'm just stuck. I can't, I can't really move from there. Or... That, you know, I've made progress in this area, but that, I think, is just, that's just the way it's going to be. And there's nothing I can really do about that. No, what is the Lord saying? What is he inviting you to? To maybe say yes in a deeper way, to make some choice for him. It's the last thing, but just after Mass today, I mentioned this at the end of Mass last week, but um, we as a staff have been praying and thinking about uh, different things. And, And one of the things that was on our hearts was, um, this Hope and Freedom seminar. So this is for students, but after Mass at 12.30 in the Quiet Study area, I'll be giving a talk, just a brief um, like 30-minute talk with, with uh, handouts and stuff. And it, Just on this idea of, of where is the area in my life where maybe the Lord's calling me to more freedom. And we, we came up with three priorities 
uh, for these seminars. There will be five of them throughout the rest of the semester, always on Sundays after Mass. Uh, One is desiring for movement in areas where people feel stuck. If you feel stuck in some area of your life, you desire some movement. Normalizing and creating spaces for safe sharing and vulnerability to communicate that people aren't alone. It's often in these areas where we feel stuck that we don't even talk to God about it, much less to our friends or to to the priest or to to someone who could really help us um, so that we're, we're not alone in it. And then three, experiencing even small victories that could open us up to a new way of life. You know, it, it, sometimes it just takes like one little triumph to realize like, oh, I can, I can do this. Like the Lord is actually faithful and he will give me the grace to turn and follow him even in areas where I feel like that's just not for me. I'm too weak or I'm too scared or I'm too far gone. Choice happens in the present. Choice is what defines us and choice happens now. If it's tomorrow that I'll make the choice, or next week, or next year, or when I get married, or whatever, then it's never going to happen. It's always in the future. Choice, if it's real, is happening now. Um, so it's to not be controlled by the shame of the past, um, to, to say, like, oh, I've always been this way, so I'll always be this way. And it's to not be paralyzed by the future. Like, what if I say yes to the Lord? What might he really ask of me? Oh, that's too scary. I'll just stay where I'm at. Jesus is opening a way forward um, to more freedom. And he invites us gently, invites us with kindness, not pressuring us, not uh, making us feel bad. Uh, he patiently waits for us to say yes to him, and then he gives us the grace uh, to move forward in faith.